um, Calix and TV will need uh, to go down to their studio at some point, but yeah, it, again, it's the, it's a time thing. I yeah. one you thing make I find time is, for that, Ryan. You make time for yeah. Calix and TV. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent, and I will. But Hello and welcome to another episode of Dirtbox Recordings Yo DMB Raps. We are bringing today one of my favourite producers in drum and bass at the moment, hailing from Norwich. He's got a brand new release with us on Dirtbox Recordings. This one has been causing mayhem in the rave world, Boomtown, Printworks, you name it. This track has been smashed in those clubs. All the way from Norwich, we've got Ryan, aka Shaper. Ryan, how you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. Just, uh, just chilling on a nice Sunday. <laughs> yeah, you look like you're uh, yeah. quite relaxed there. Just on oh, hundred percent. I'm surrounded up. by animals as well. It's great. Are any going to make any uh, jumps into the to the podcast? You reckon? What have we got? We got cats, dogs. What have we got? Cat and a dog. Dog is fast asleep. Cat's also fast asleep. Probably not. Okay. To well, be we'll... fair, the dog would sleep for all day if he could. They're welcome on anyway, if they want to uh, get a bit of airtime with us, no problem at all. So <clears throat> I'm going to get straight into it, Ryan. Um, I want to start from the beginning. Um, you're, mm. you, you've been brought up in Norwich, in Norfolk, haven't you, in the UK? So yeah. for anybody abroad who's not familiar with Norwich, uh, for any of our listeners, what, tell us a little bit about the city and, and how you grew up there. Uh, well, it's a pretty beautiful place. Like... Um from sort of very medieval town there's a big old castle and stuff there's a fair bit to do but it is pretty much known for having an insane amount of high-end drum and bass producers i mean you've got limited upgrade ti um saxons from around here blade runner and yeah with all of that though there is very few actual nightlife so <laughs> i wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't aware terms. i wasn't aware all those artists are from the local area they're all quite near you as well do you know them uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there's even more, actually. Yeah. Mind Vortex is another one that's from near here as well. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, Jump my own razor. But yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, well, we see each other around here and there. I had actually no idea of that. I knew I knew Upgrade and, and Limited were there. I didn't know TI were there and the rest of them as well. So that's quite a drum and bass fraternity for that city. I mean, from what I see from the outside, I mean, it's only a few few hours away, but... There's not many drum and bass nights going on in Norwich, though, is there? No, there's um, there's one that's quite regular run by a friend of mine, Callum Bishop, who does a really good job of it. And there's a few other bigger ones like the Dancing Astronaut and stuff. But yeah, no, it's very, it can be really quite difficult to run an event here. There's a lot of stigma surrounding it, unfortunately. What do you mean by stigma? What, with the uh, well, yeah, pretty much. People see drum and bass and they're like, oh no, it's just going to be a lot of people doing drugs and causing trouble. But then they just ignore the amount of people go out to regular clubbing and cause even more trouble. Yeah. I, I suppose you get that with a lot of the cities. I mean, I'm I'm in Birmingham and, you know, there's a, there's a massive stigma with raving in Birmingham. Everybody thinks of the gangs and the guns and things like that. But it's few and far between when it happens, really, you know. Of course it is. Of course it is. And it, like I say, it's just basically because the music's got a reputation completely undeserved reputation mine but yeah people just look at it and say no no no, thank you not in my city 
So what what got you into drum and bass then in Norwich? Considering obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of people into it there. Obviously some big artists breaking through, but not many events. What what got you into the scene and, and um, well, basically I was I mean it was I think it was about 13. I heard I was listening to the radio and I heard a drum and bass track on their drum sound and bassline Smith Kate Fear and I've been hooked ever since really. Yeah. So that's that's, what, that's a usual one for now. most people as well, isn't it? Yeah. Quite a popular track to get hooked with. Are you? Have you got any siblings or anything that were into it? A lot of people tend to kind of pick up off their elder brothers and sisters with stuff like that as well, don't they? No, I've got three younger brothers and none of them are really into it at all. No, what do they like? Oh, God knows. <laughs> Just metal and stuff. <laughs> yeah. What about your parents? Did you? Did you obviously, were you into it at home and... Did you get any kind of support from them when you were saying, oh, okay, I, I want to try and get into this stuff? Well, um, it's a long story with my mother, but no, she wasn't supportive at all. Um, but yeah, my dad was the, actually the one who got me into producing. I mean, I, I was saying I was, oh, I'm really interested in doing this. And he's a classical guitarist, um, incredibly talented guitarist. And then uh, I think it was my 15th birthday. He actually bought me a copy of Reason and a keyboard. Okay. And uh, that pretty much got me started. So how long were, what when we're talking around then well, how old are you now so 31 now so it's 16 yeah. years ago 16 years ago wow so you started in your yeah. teens as well what were you producing to start off with then was it drum and bass <laughs> straight away or yeah and it was crap it was awful <laughs> have you still got any of the to... tracks that you finished uh i can neither confirm nor deny these suspicions because i don't want anyone <laughs> to hear them fair play so yeah. who, who were inspiring you then so you, you got the cubase and and you were straight into drum and bass, so you were obviously on that chain of events straight away. What artists were inspiring you to make music? Um, at the time, I was listening. Uh, basically, I was going out and buying whatever albums I could. I had TC's um, album Evolution. I bought like Nightlife and uh, Drum and Bass Arena mixes, and they were great. It was all like Hazard, um, Sub Zero. Well, subfocus chasing status tc all basically like all of the big sort of more mainstream artists at the time i hadn't really branched out into the more sort of underground stuff because i wasn't even aware of it at the time and then slowly over time it's just sort of built up that whilst i still do enjoy quite a lot of mainstream stuff it's just the underground stuff that really does inspire me yeah yeah for sure and was it always drum and bass then have you have you ever delved into other sounds or oh I love dubstep as well. Um, I've produced a, a decent amount of dubstep. Um, I've done a bit of uh, sort of tech house and um, sort of more undergroundy house stuff. But yeah, mostly drum and bass, to be honest. Any, any other aliases or actual releases with tech house and dubstep then? Nope, not yet. Maybe one day, but no, I've uh, not yet. Were you around like for the dubstep kind of explosion in the UK as well? You know, like those yeah. early noughties? just before it got really hard and crossed over to America. Were you doing stuff? Yeah. Um, well, I was listening to a lot of it then. Uh, like people like Culprit, Benga, Koki, Rusko, Casper, like the usual lot. But yeah, it was, I, I liked the deeper stuff, but for me, it was really like the, when it started getting really aggressive, not, not the sort of bro steppy sound, but more like the actual proper hard stuff. People like um, Recoil, uh, more recently Marauder, um trolley snatcher mantis just basically the really yeah. really yeah kill sonic the really hard stuff it was it's just anything that has like 
that basically tears your face off. I was down for, yeah. but a lot of that sort of more Americanized uh, bro steppy sound. It was just a bit naff, really, especially when neurofunk started going the same way for a little bit, just adding in loads of just random laser sounds. It just yeah, didn't work. Yeah, for me, it was like. I think like early noughties, like you said, the the Koki and, and Benga and things and Hatcher, they were absolutely smashing it. And then obviously you had like Magnetic Man, Scream, and they were doing all the commercial side. And I absolutely loved that. I did like Trolley Snatcher. I did like uh, Funk Case and things like that. But it seemed yeah. as though when that came about and it got quite hard, like you had Rotten Recordings. Do you remember Rotten Recordings as yeah. well? Yeah. And you had those with Excision in the early days, but once he blew up, I think that's when it just, it all went to pot, didn't it? And it's so weird because Dubstep in the UK had like one of the fastest risers, but one of the fastest declines as well, didn't it? It literally oh, absolutely. It completely fucked off, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was quite sad to see, really, because it, they, I mean, Dubstep still now, like there's incredible music coming out of the Dubstep scene now, but it's just so few and far between. I yeah, mean, when you see people like me. Alex, yeah, when you see people like Alex Perez doing like insane dubstep, oh, who is he did that track? That one with um, foreign beggars. Oh, I can't remember now, but yeah, it's just nice to see a lot more of the sort of minimally artists doing this really quite old school sounding, but even harder dubstep. Yeah, yeah, there were there was a few there was a few that dabbled. Then I did it as well, didn't they? Current value. Yeah. They were doing some really techy, high-level stuff, weren't they, at, at that point? Yeah. It was just way different than anything else. You didn't even get... I, to my recollection, I don't think I heard any dubstep producers playing it, but they were dropping it in their drum and bass sets as well, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and weirdly, um, obviously dubstep's still quite large in the US, and it's been quite difficult for drum and bass to really, really push through, but a lot more dubstep artists in the States are playing drum and bass now, which is, mm. which is really good to see. Like People like Rusko. And obviously, Skrillex is playing a fair bit of drum and bass now. Yeah, yeah, they're all they're all back on it again. It has its waves in the USA. Like at the minute, they're going through a massive resurgence as well. Like every festival is just wall to wall drum and bass lineups, and they can't they can't bring enough artists over fast enough. Yeah, for the sounds of it, like it yeah, absolutely going in a good direction, doesn't it? Definitely, yeah, hundred percent. Taking its time, but there you go. Have you had any interest in going over there to play or? I'd love to. Absolutely love to. I've had a couple of like tentative, um, interested messages and stuff like that, but they've never really amounted to anything. I'd absolutely love to go and play over there. Um, I mean, going to New York last month was awesome, but I don't know if it was just Manhattan. There didn't seem to be many nightclubs there. It's yeah. On the outside, it's, um, I guess it, it is very underground. You go there, you don't notice clubs, but clubs are everywhere in New York. They're literally just, there's no signs. It's just like a little basement door and then you're oh, underground cool. and it's absolute massive club. But there is a lot of clubs, especially in Brooklyn as well. There's a, ton right. in Brooklyn. there's a few in Manhattan, but yeah, they are, they are everywhere, but I know what you mean. You, you look around, you don't walk past a nightclub, do you? But in actual fact, you walk past about 10 or 15 everywhere you go. <laughs> they are there. Wow. They are there. Oh, so, that's cool. <clears throat> just going back to Norwich a little bit then. So what were the first events you were attending? Did you did you get into the drum and bass on the raver side of it before you started producing music? Or how did oh, no, I was definitely... I didn't actually go to my first rave until I was about 19, funnily enough. 
And that was a house raven fabric. Oh, right. That was my in first London. one. Yeah, in London. Yeah, I was staying down at, uh, there for uni for three years. And um, yeah, the first one I went to was this uh, Sven Varf was playing in fabric. And that was amazing. Proper eye opener. But yeah, I didn't really have much of a chance to go out. I mean, the second year of uni, I was I basically just lived in cable and fabric at various drum and bass nights. Yeah. And um, that was amazing. But yeah, no, I've been producing music for about four or five years before I went to any sort of events. Okay. Okay. So that was your first in with it. Then you heard the music, you produced it. And then kind of when you were old enough or they were around, that's when you started attending them then. Yeah, pretty much. And then just even more hooked. I started uh, learning to DJ properly at uni, which was uh, really cool. And um, then, yeah, I think my, my first actual gig was uh, I did a, the uni's summer summer ball in in uh in proud two in the o2 arena which was pretty mad playing after zone low and uh yeah it was my first proper gig and, and i've been hooked ever since brilliant stuff. i love djing it's so much fun did you manage to go to any norwich raves at all then uh yeah i've been to a fair few now um when i came back um from uni there was uh rumble color uh warning well, warning was a bit further out but they did a color versus warning at uh, a rumble versus warning at this big club in norwich which is now sadly shut but yeah i went to quite a lot and uh then realistically started, it took me quite a while to actually get a certain one and since then i've played at a few different ones in norwich but i've played far more outside of norwich than i have actually in norwich itself yeah i think that's the same for quite a lot of people as well it's like when i used to live in sheffield I never hardly got gigs in Sheffield, even though I lived there. And I was probably, at the time, one of the more well-known names in Sheffield as well. But everything I got was literally outside of the city. I, I don't know what that is. It's like you almost don't get the homegrown talent playing a lot in the home cities. I guess they're just trying to bring other people in a lot and things like that. Well, that, I think that's it, to be honest. Um, I know it's the, the event space is really quite difficult at the moment because unless you've got a big headliner, you're not going to get people there. and so and but then the big headliners cost more so the events cost more and then they don't yeah. sell out as much and so on and so forth it's it's very difficult in the event scene from what i understand fair play so you said your dad obviously supported you with the music stuff do you, does he still listen to the stuff you're doing now as well um yeah I, I, I don't see him a lot he works abroad quite a bit um but uh yeah like basically he's always very proud of how how i've done with music and that um and yeah, he still supports. I don't, I don't necessarily think he hundred percent likes my music because he <laughs> likes metal and stuff, and mine's very different to that. But yeah, he's, he's very supportive. Yeah, and you, um, like you said, you was producing in two thousand fifteen. That led up to, I, I believe, was your first release two thousand nineteen with Subliminal. I believe it was. Nope. My no. first release, my first release was actually on Disjointed Textures Audio back in uh, what year is it? 2023 eight years uh yeah 20 no it was actually 2015 my first yeah. release in the yeah, same year you made it uh no i started when i was 15 so i started yeah. 16 years ago in 2007 but you know that was the first release i actually had in 2015 ah right okay okay yeah. and that, wasn't that an official release i was, obviously i've been scouring beatport and things like that looking at your music so what happened it was, that release then it was an official release. It was on Juno, Beatport and everything and Spotify. But I think it's now been taken off for some reason. I'm not entirely sure why. But yeah, I can't seem to find it anywhere either. 
Yeah, it's probably the label probably shut down or something like that. They, they tend to, yeah, some distributors, if there's nothing going in for a certain amount of time, they just, they lose the label off, don't they? Especially if it's not, yeah. you know, after a few years, it generally isn't going to generate that much money as well, is it? So that's probably the case with it. Um, Absolutely. But, but around that time then, was was that the gap between them then? Or was, was there a few releases up until that 2019 that's still out there? Um. Basically, after 2015, um, I tried to lock in a few things. I still wasn't very good at that point. I'd been very on and off with production until then and still weren't doing my best. And not long after that, um, my laptop completely died. Like, I was running a MacBook and it just cacked out lost the hard drive lost the backup hard drive it was backing up to lost everything basically all of my samples all of my projects and stuff and i just started to make music i was actually happy with and then my little girl was born so i put on the back burner for a little bit and then i started again in about 2018 2019 and then had that first release on um, subdivision uh the infiltrate ep and yeah ever since then i haven't i've not really stopped making music again which is nice and managed to bag some like dream releases so it's been brilliant yeah and we'll, we'll obviously get to those in a bit but yeah like for the first couple of years 2019 and then through the pandemic there was a lot of releases with subliminal like says subdivision deep in yeah. the jungle as well um yeah how did those connections go about with it i mean like i said there's a lot of releases with those labels with the with the personal friends of yours that you'd kind of started releasing with or um well basically uh i'd since i was making music again i was really sort of like putting myself out there messaging a lot of labels and stuff like that and then guzzi who ran subdivision which is now gz audio um he actually picked them up and wanted me to release a few eps basically just keep pushing me forward and stuff like that so yeah i just made a lot of music for that and i saw that uh dj hybrids um wanted uh jungle tracks for the yearly uh deep in the jungle compilation so I, I sent him tracks every single year after that point and had it on had, had tracks on three of the compilations which was really cool and then he actually wanted me to remix one of his tracks so i did uh toxic jungle yeah i know the one which is really cool yeah it's one of my yeah. favorites of his yeah it's a good remix as well I do like that and the, the other was a flurry of music as i said through through the last few years over the pandemic you really got busy didn't you by the looks of yeah <laughs> well basically i wasn't a lot else to do during the pandemic was there so yeah i just basically <laughs> pushed myself as hard as i could i actually started writing more musically and stuff like that and uh got myself a bigger keyboard so i could actually do bigger chords bigger musical progressions and then just yeah just sat making music the whole time it was great i've um le- i learned so much in that period i managed to finally apply to the point where i'm really happy with it so yeah and i think through the pandemic as well that's that's when i met you isn't it we um we kind of got in the cyber cunts music group that we're in on facebook yeah yeah um initially started that with uh neil transformer and saboteur uh basically with a talking to i talked starting talking to neil fair bit during the um the Black Sun Empire remix competition. That oh. was a yeah, that was a big turning point. I sort of I'd been talking to Nick and Shane from Kaiser Flow for a little bit before that, and they put me onto this remix competition. And we were just talking 
to every all all of uh, all of each other through it and making a joke, which is start this sort of like super group thing, and just started a group chat from it, and yeah, it's still we're still going pretty strong now. Yeah, for those who who don't know about this, just generally around drum and bass. You, you, you tend to get added just to some random groups every now and again, don't you? Where it's just full of people talking about drum and bass, having a laugh. Um, but this one, I mean, for me personally, when I got added to this group, I met a ton of amazing producers. Obviously got talking to yourself, Ryan, Kaizen Flow, Transformer, Conquest, uh, Dave Avoider, Traced is in there as well. Obviously one of my, uh, one of my friends. Um, so yeah, he kind of put me in touch with a lot of people listening to a lot of music and and in all honesty when i got added to that group and, and started chatting it's probably it's probably improved my label as well because like i said i've had i've had releases from people like beska in there you know yourself yeah yeah obviously got talking to transformer he's doing some stuff for the label so yeah it's uh it's kind of been a fun place to be really isn't it yeah yeah absolutely um and there's some insane talent in there again i've learned a lot from it and been able to develop a lot more but yeah it's just an incredible it's it's a really really good resource it is and there's some lurkers in there we know you are we know you don't, we know you're watching and reading but not talking uh, that's it i mean I, I i i've sort of like taken a bit of a step back from socials over the last few months and stuff like that i've had a lot going on like an insane amount and i do still check it a lot but it's just it can be quite difficult to actually be able to bring myself to write any messages some days to anyone yeah yeah it's good to have a bit of time out for it as well because it can be quite consuming isn't it i mean i did want to talk to you a bit about socials as well because one of the things that that you kind of drew me to as well talking about in that in that facebook group that we got was uh promoting your music on tiktok and i was quite against it before then but what kind of drew you into doing that and getting because you you were quite excited about it for a little while weren't you in terms of getting getting yourself i mean I, I mean, if I kept going with it now, I'm sure it would still be doing really well. But yeah, it's basically my missus put me onto it because she's on TikTok quite a bit. She uh, watches a load of um, content creators on there. And she was saying that these music streams, they, they seem to be doing quite well. There seems to be a lot of um, interest in it. So I started just putting clips in the tracks up and they started doing really well, especially live clips and that. Uh, but the big the massive thing for me on there was actually realizing just how much a small um boosting payment can do i mean i've got tracks with several thousand plays on there with very little effort which is really really good it does seem to be a really good way to sort of boost your tracker to a wider audience yeah the the ads like to boost an ad it's quite cheap in it to get yeah, some yeah. views like three yeah, pounds about... to get a thousand views and things exactly and rather than facebook where it's just like oh no they'll just randomly shove it in the sponsored thing you're actually far more likely to get your post seen and actually listen to yeah because it is a scrolling video isn't it that's the way it's all going kind of thing so i think uh i mean since obviously you talked about it i started posting on there and, and a few things got out there especially as i say when they do the boost but one of the things i found as well with all the things with reels and and instagram is they built the algorithm so much to what it's intended now for what they want for creators and stuff it's restricting everybody and in a way for me it's took the fun out of social media because no you're posting stuff for your friends and things like that nobody's seeing it and if you want them to see it you've got to you've got to go and watch all these youtube tutorials and videos of what the algorithm wants and yeah, you've okay. literally got to spend hours and learn how to actually do proper 
videos or social media just to get any of your mates to actually see it. So it's yeah, it seems to have took the fun out of it a little bit for me, I think. Yeah, I agree. It, it can be really quite disheartening. Um especially when when you just you put when you're posting every single day, you put a lot of effort into it and it just never seems to improve or anything like that. It often becomes like, well, I'm putting a lot of time in for no outlay. It doesn't seem to be worth the time of putting so much in. And it, I, I found when I was posting less often that each post was getting far more interaction, which was good. Yeah, probably trying to coax you back in or something, isn't it? They say, oh, this guy hasn't yeah. posted. Let's try and coax him back in and, and get some interactions. But, I mean, it, it makes sense that things do well if they're commented on a light. But if, if you're having to spend hours and hours kind of working on getting it to that part, you're definitely going to lose interest unless you're, you're literally committed to just that as well. But Which we're not. We're into music and we're using exactly. that means to an end, aren't we, kind of thing. It's And plus, we're always promoting, so they're going to restrict that as well. Yeah, for me, it's <clears throat> it's definitely taken taken a lot of joy out of it, and you take. I mean, it's it's no longer social anymore because there's nobody seeing it. Like, what exactly? What the fuck am I posting to at the end of the day? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. And um, I'd rather spend that time making music. Yeah, it's just exactly. the same thing with this. Is yeah, basically, it's like especially when you're just starting out, and it can be really quite daunting because you send you having to spend so much time sending your tracks out to labels and networking and things like that. And it's just like, when do I have the time to make music? Mm-hmm. Especially when you work full time and you got a family. Yeah, I it mean, the social media for one release, it, you know, it's, it's at least two, three hours a day social media stuff. If you're posting on every platform as well, because you're creating yeah. the content, and it's probably even longer if you start creating in it as well, rather than just random posts, you know exactly exactly like um i i i sort of thought about doing tutorial videos and live streams and stuff like that but it's just like again i just don't really have the time to be able to do that and to make the music i want it's so it's such a tough balancing act yeah and especially having family as well on myself you've uh, you've got those commitments as well haven't you yeah yeah very much so um yeah, a little girl takes up a lot of the time, and she loves music, but like, um, I can't exactly make it with her around very well because she just wants to push all the buttons. Yeah. Don't blame her, I would too. But yeah. how, do you, how do you juggle all of that yourself? I mean, one thing that I've tried to learn is how to juggle the music and your family life and things. Uh, have you done it pretty well, do you think, or is there anything you wish you could have changed? No, I think I've, I think I've got it down to a really good tea. I mean, the, the sort of... The, the crux of it is just basically making sure that we keep time for each other, sort of having a bit of a schedule, um, just respecting each other's time and everything like that. Like um, I normally work on music uh, one or two times a week. Um, and then we have one night that we spend just us two. And then the rest of the time we just spend gaming together because the office also doubles as a studio. It also doubles as our gaming room um and it's just even even when i'm making music my wife's sitting behind me playing a game so it's all good uh, yeah so you, you mentioned obviously gaming i thought we might have seen the gaming studio today actually so uh, is she in there <laughs> playing some games is she is that what no nope, she's ironing at the moment is she <laughs> yeah fair play that's one of yeah. your main interests outside of music though you mentioned as well the gaming side of it isn't it oh absolutely i've i've been playing games like even longer than i've been making music to be honest um i just it's very nice to have that escape i play a lot of uh first person shooters with the wife and then uh i also like sort of more 
niche building slash survival games, things that are satisfactory, which is so dull on paper, but it's the most it's one of the most bits of fun I've had while gaming. It's brilliant, brilliant. How many hours a week do you think you're doing the game inside of it? <laughs> uh an embarrassing now it's, it's not not that bad. Probably about maybe ten hours. Okay. Okay. So and plenty of late hours. nights then with those I yeah. thought. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We 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 we're both terrible. We just don't realise the time. It's like one o'clock in the morning. We've got to be up for work in like five hours. I used to love I used to love games and computer games when I was uh, in my teens. And I think like when I go into the music, it just kind of took it away from me. Like I'd spend every weekend in an arcade, and I had every console you could think of. And I I literally just stopped like that. And I've got them now. I've got the new PS. I've got I've got a new Xbox. I've never even opened the Xbox. It's been sat there since we bought it. But it's one of those, it, for me, it's like, if I sit down and play in the game, it's like, I could be going and, and maybe doing some accounting that needs doing or something <laughs> for the labels, or I need to yeah. be doing this artwork. There's always something else that I think I could be more productive with, and it's, it's pulled me away from being able to do that. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, Oh, I, I totally get it. Again, like it's, it's a balancing act for me. Like I try and sort of balance both the things out because i love making music and i love playing games and games honestly inspire me a lot to make more music like uh there's a lot of games with such incredible soundtracks and the sound design in them these days is just phenomenal so it really does inspire me to make even better music well a lot of big drum and bass producers get signed to it I i've even had tracks on computer games as well i mean have you done that yourself have you had any licensing not yet. Uh, that's something I do want to walk into, uh, like move into as well as sort of like uh, thema more thematic composition. I've been writing a lot of sort of uh, soundtrack style musical stuff, and um, yeah, it's, it, it's something I'd very much like to do. Well, drum and bass wise, um, there's a lot of drum and bass in games now, isn't there? I mean, look at GTA and all the racing games. There's tons of yeah. drum and bass in them. Didn't Noisier, I think they made a whole album for a computer game once. And that uh, was done it twice. Yeah, yeah, that was like 90% yeah. drum and bass, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they did the uh, Devil May Cry soundtrack a That's few it. years ago. That was really good. And then they did another one recently, more recently, um, before splitting up. I can't remember what the game was called but yeah they did a whole album for that as well yeah and they were phenomenal as well awesome. I, i'm sure i've played some of those tracks in the clubs as well yeah yeah same so there was um there's a dubstep track on the devil may cry album that was just just insane it was yeah. so good we had um we had a track on dirtbox by full contact from birmingham um he had a track called tornado and that got signed oh, what was the racing game now um I can't remember anyway, but it was like a futuristic racing game, and it got as soon as wipe we put it out, wipe out. That's it. Yeah, we had yeah. the track signed to that. Just a full drum and bass track. Like I say, it wasn't even. Oh, that's awesome. Edited for the game or anything like that at all. So speaking of gaming, obviously you've got to have a, a very powerful computer to do things like that. And uh, did you, you? You've talked to me about building PCs before. I think we've spoken to it in the chat yeah. room. Did you build your gaming computer and also your music computer yourself then? Uh, they're the same thing at the moment. They're all in one? Yeah. And I built my wife's gaming computer as well. Okay. What do you like yeah, about got... doing that then? There's a lot to it, isn't there, to get it right? Um, I, I, It's just a lot of fun to build it. I love just like putting everything together. Uh, it's like Lego, really. A lot of the stuff really does go together quite easily and just looks nice. And then you've got the satisfaction of having, oh, I built that and now it works, yeah. which is amazing. Have you built uh, any for anybody else in drum and bass? 
Anybody Not in drum and bass, but I used to do basically build computers for friends at uni. What's the most powerful one that you built? How much did it um, The most powerful one that I built uh, was my computer at uni. I had a full water cooling loop that I did myself in it. Um, the best graphics card at the time with a water cooling block on it. And yeah, it was insanely powerful. Insanely powerful. What was that? Could play anything. Uh, it's about two and a half grand at the time, and this was okay. about ten years ago. So, <clears throat> what's the top like in terms of building PCs then for gaming? Like, what's kind of the top spec that you could be paying out? Are you talking? Is that roughly going <laughs> to always be around? I mean, at the minute, because the because the 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 technology is improving all the time. You know, it's like what's a three grand PC now? In five years' time, it's probably not going to be worth that. There'll be something else that's out that's probably at that exactly. Time. But um. Do you right now? Can you can you get that spec even higher? Do you think is it worth oh, getting any higher than that? The, the the computer I've got is absolutely perfect for what I need. Is that worth about twelve hundred quid? But um, I think you can you can go silly money. I mean, just the top the topest end graphics card at the moment is like nearly two grand. Hmm. Just for the just for the graphics card, let alone the processor. And would that just be needed <laughs> though? I mean, unless you're running a massive screen, I suppose, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's basically for people running 4K in games at max, uh, max graphics. But yeah, it's um, honestly, it's not really worth it for me. I've got, I've, I can play the games I want to. I don't need to the best graphics in the world, just as long as they work and as long as my music works. It's the main thing. And you say you're running all your music studio through the same PC as well. What's your, yeah. what's your door of choice? What are you using and running through it? Uh, Bitwig. Bitwig is incredible. Like I was running Ableton before, but Bitwig is an absolute game changer for me. There's just so much, so much cool, uh, cool shit you can do with it. Uh, the Polygrid is one of the most batshit and fun things I've ever used in music. Basically, if if you don't know what Bitwig Polygrid is, it is a build your own instrument, effects unit, everything you can set up arpeggiators in it. You can uh, route whatever you want through whatever you want and it's it's ridiculous like i i have made some really really mental sounds using the polygrid and i haven't even scratched the surface when you can use a random dice roll to determine a variable in one of your synths so that's that's when you know they're dealing with some weird shit have you always used that in ableton then because you said you started with that was that the first door you had with your um you to start with well the first the first door i started with was reason way back when uh, that's the, the one my dad bought me and i used that for quite a while um but the only problem is i was running reason three when i moved on to my macbook worked absolutely fine but as soon as my macbook's operating system updated it just wouldn't run reason anymore so i switched to ableton then and, still yeah. going? <laughs> are they still going yeah reason's still going yeah um volatile cycle used it Ah, right okay because I, when i started off writing music i was on cubase and i used to patch reason in so it was just like yeah I, I wasn't using it as my main door but i'd patch it in obviously for everything and that and like you said it got to a point where you couldn't actually use it with certain things so that drifted away and then ableton came on the table and that was just that was a game changer the only time i'd yeah. ever opened cubase after that was just for mix downs just to kind of get you know because the sound drivers early on in ableton they weren't they weren't the best no no um but yeah ableton was was really really was really great but then i just saw that bitwig was rent to own on splice and i was like i'll give this a go and then i haven't gone back to ableton since it just 
the, the workflow it's made by x ableton devs and the workflow is just so much better for how i work yeah the first person i heard using that was probably about five or six years ago is hamilton he, yeah. he was he was doing posts about it after posts all the time. I was like, I really want to really want to give this a try. And I, I still to this day, I've not done it. And recently, I've had Impex saying, right, we are going to sit down. I want you to book a day off work, and we're going to I'm going to take you through Bitwig and and get you on there. So everybody's shouting about it nowadays, though. Yeah. So I'm I, I I've got to take the plunge definitely. Oh, hundred uh, percent. Um, there's a few things that different to ableton but not really anything that i ever used it's more there's more for my sort of creative style than there was with ableton and honestly the interface the user interfaces are so much nicer that's one problem with ableton it hasn't really changed the interface in like well since it started and it's looking for me quite dated yeah yeah I get like an excel mean. spreadsheet yeah <laughs> it's uh apart from the colors yeah it's still got that kind of blocky feel to it hasn't it really it's, yeah yeah i get what you're saying so with all the music that you did from 2019 onwards was that ableton or bitwig uh it was all ableton up until last year when i picked up bitwig okay okay and then i've been on that uh, completely since so we're talking about obviously your music releasing on quite a few labels in the last few years predominantly gz audio and gta yeah. um big up to goozy big up to the solar boys as well with their labels two phenomenal labels what's your involvement with both of these guys um uh, and and obviously in the background because i know you do a little bit of work with them not just actually releasing music is that right um uh well with gz it was all basically releasing music and the same same with um, gta really um i do need to actually hit up james again with some more music at some point um but yeah I, i've released with them for quite a bit and then basically not long after i started with gta uh, i started putting a couple of tracks out on gta i actually um got hit up for ram so yeah i then they want an exclusive contract so i haven't been able to do anything since no of course i will we'll get to the yeah. ram stuff in a bit that's obviously one of the more recent uh recent escapades that you've been on um but one thing i did want to ask you as well because you are the second interview i've had now where i've asked this question your style of drum bass for me it isn't sitting in any subgenres, and i fucking love that i absolutely love it so if you want it's not quite neurofunk it's not quite rollers do you know what i mean these subgenres we got it's definitely not liquid it's not jump up what do you class your drum and bass music as if you were to put it under a subgenre? do you think um that's honestly i don't really know i kind of i don't like just making any one particular style like especially with or even one particular genre i much prefer just the when i'm sitting at the laptop just not just go oh i want to make this track i want to make that track i want to make a track like this i just basically just start and see where i end up what do you it's, think um, sorry go on no carry on what you were saying sorry mate um but yeah i uh i, I don't know I, I just like making creative stuff and well, if it comes out as jump up brilliant if it comes out as neurofunk brilliant just however it comes out so it really was a happy accident then for you to kind of have that sound do you think it's just something that came from you it wasn't purposely trying to head in a certain direction it just came out exactly so i um i have no 
musical training at all um i barely know any music theory i just i've just taught myself a lot of different things over the years and one thing i I am lucky to have is i can hear really well what sounds good and what sounds shite so i basically just kept going and kept pushing until things were sounding good to me and then yeah just like i say whatever it is as long as it's got some musicality to it as long as it's got some edge to it i'm more than happy making it that's good that's good to hear i mean a lot of people are scared to actually jump into music production because they think you've got to have a heavy amount of music theory or a, a background in playing the drums and things like that so you literally just kind of youtube tutorials picking it up accidents here and there and just educating yourself then exactly exactly i think the most progress i've made is uh, just messing around with various things like i don't have a lot of vsts that i use um purely because i like picking one up and messing around with it as much as possible seeing what each thing does how each thing modulates the sound and eventually just learning it i mean i learned one of my favorite tricks that i do just messing around with serum uh i used the comb filter and it uh, on a really low frequency with quite a high resonance and it just made like i mean you listen to some of my tracks that sort of like uh dissonant foghorny sound from mindfulness is very much all comb filter based um unchained as well that's yeah. all comb filters and uh yeah that like it it doesn't really it, it means it sits slightly out of key but sometimes that that sounds really good it just adds that sort of anxiety inducing edge to it which is really cool for a sort of darker track yeah your official releases though in the last few years while there have been many they don't seem to have been the majority as well because you've been putting out some heavy amounts of music and your dub packs as well on soundfire um, yeah yeah i put i put out one dub pack that did really quite well um and i've put out a few free downloads but yeah that dub pack i just had it was sitting on a load of music that didn't really seem to fit on any one particular label so i thought uh i can actually do do with a bit of doing a bit of money from music so let's put out let's put out a dub pack and yeah that that, that, that did really quite well were you just so previewing it on soundcloud and did you set it up with a patreon or anything like that uh no i was just previewing it on soundcloud and just getting people to message me and paypal me the uh paypal me the money and i'd send them over the dropbox link and yeah that worked really well brilliant and there's about 21 tracks in there isn't there in the dub pack. uh there was 10 on the uh, 10 on the dub pack i did 10 for 10 pound which is like yeah. a lot of people put out a very small amount of tracks for a lot of money and i didn't want to do that because a like i i have a full-time job it's not my main source of income so the money is a bit inconsequential but at the same time i wanted to give back to the community a little bit um for all of the support and yeah that, that that did really quite well is it still available now can people still pick it up uh no sold out oh right okay okay yeah. so yeah uh, yeah unlucky if you missed that one but i think you can still hear the clips can't you they're still here yeah exactly yeah. i'm gonna somewhere. keep them up on soundcloud <clears throat> but you're uh, i mean for you you're, you're really good we wanting to get your music out there like i said you, you you share a lot of the music for people to hear in some of our groups you can definitely hear them all on your soundcloud what what are your thoughts in kind of people sharing music and stuff like that as well because people generally they like to keep it right close in and and don't let anybody hear it until it's about released you're very much the opposite of that what's your frame of mind with that i 
um it's a, it's a tough one really i very much think there's a, again a balance to be struck if you're just like um pushing out music constantly over and over again like multiple um uploads a day then i think it that the saturation point can become very much reached but at the same time it's so important to for people to realize that you're still about because there is an insane amount of competition and whilst it's not like a competition to better each other and stuff there's definitely a competition of who can be seen and if you're not constantly well not even constantly if you're not regularly putting out um what you're doing and showing a progression that that interest can very quickly fade yeah for sure yeah i mean like i said is uh we hear a lot of your your music forthcoming to give feedback there's the dub packs again like i say on soundcloud as well so it's almost like there is a wealth of shape of music out there for people to hear as well and uh, kind of see what journey you're going on with the sounds that you've got as well yeah yeah i've um I've, i'm sitting on a lot of music that's not been put anywhere at the moment which is really cool i've tried to keep i mean like i say whilst i do put up tracks regularly i, I do try and keep um a fair bit just for me so when i do get sets and stuff like people get to hear very fresh music yeah how many how many tracks have you uh, made this year do you think uh oh i'm not sure actually maybe uh, it's not been my most prolific year ever because a lot of a lot of things going on but probably about 10 or 15 yeah okay well that's pretty good i mean you got your you got your uh, computer back this year as well didn't you yeah. and you were you were really on a roll weren't you at that time as well when that happened yeah yeah i mean again i was having laptop issues before this i was really struggling to make any music at all it was just getting very old and uh becoming an issue but then yeah i managed to be able to get myself a pc and i have got quite a lot of projects on the go on it and uh yeah i'm very much looking forward to yeah uh, getting some of those finished i think you knocked that remix together for me in about six hours <laughs> and it was a done deal weren't it by by the end of the day i i didn't uh, send you the parts in the morning <laughs> Yeah, I um I like working quickly. I've I do struggle to go back to tracks um once I finish them. Some some tracks I've I've got up to like version eight and stuff, but a lot of the ones I've released of uh, the first version, I'm very much like just plowing through an entire track in one session. I I found myself one of the issues I had before uh, when I first started releasing back in 2015 was I was over complicating everything making sure everything was sounding good and becoming too much of a perfectionist and it was really hampering any output at all to the point where i wasn't actually well finishing tracks because they weren't finished um i can't remember who said it but um someone said art is never finished it's abandoned and i think that's a very good point yeah. you get to a point where you, if you keep going you're just never ever going to finish it so you, at one point you need to say that's enough and yeah i I like working with working through music quickly. I've got a really good workflow for that. And I don't use loops or anything like that. I pretty much make everything in the track, like just either through drum samples and synthesis and stuff like that. And I have got a really good um, structure for how I like writing musical stuff. Again, I don't really use loops for that. It's all basically using uh, plugins. Like uh, I use a lot of string plugins, piano plugins. I've got this amazing one called Falcon, which is just incredible. So I just want to talk about some of your interests outside of music as well. One of the things you mentioned to me is you like uh, collecting Yu-Gi-Oh trading cards. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, 
that's been a thing over the last year. I uh, yeah, I've now got the, the stupid amount of them. It's great. It's it's like I. It's again. It for me, it's all about creativeness in it, and it, with with that, you can really come up with some really unique creative strategies. And I really really love the challenge. It has helped my problem solving and reasoning become a lot better. I, I go to tournaments quite regularly. Do quite well. So yeah, I mean, it's not cheap. Not so for anybody all, anybody thinking about these Yu-Gi-Oh cards, what are they? Explain what they are. Uh, so it's similar to Pokemon cards. So basically, you buy packs, you get cards out of it, you can build a deck out of them, and you can face off against someone else um, with it. I have um, four decks at the moment that I use, but my main one is is like uh, yeah, it's pretty much maximum rarity. You get different rarities of cards, and the the higher the rarity, the more expensive they are. I think my most expensive card's worth about 200 quid just for one. Have you, have you bought that outright as well, have you? Or has that just been like uh, in the pack that you got? No, I traded for it. Yeah. So I traded a few cards I weren't using for it. And uh, yeah, it's uh, really um, good. I'm way off for thinking of stuff like that. I think the only, the closest I've got to those cards is when in the 80s, we had things like garbage pale kids cards. And then obviously <laughs> you had the WWE wrestling cards as well with the yeah. points on and thing. That's about the closest to it as well. Well, but, you collect sneakers, don't you? So it's not too different. Oh, what gives you that impression? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's quite a big thing as though in, in music as well. I, I, I do come across a lot of producers and people involved. They're collectors of something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're almost like, it's weird. We hoard something, don't we? There's always something there. Exactly. I've always been terrible for it. You know what I mean? Jumping from different things and getting interest in it, which is how you've got a, a bit of a insatiable interest in it that you can't stop buying these cards or is it? Um, it's more, a, uh, honestly. Yeah. I, I, I very much like opening packs because you never wait, you know what you're going to get. It's like a little bit of a lottery, each one, but it's more just constantly trying to improve with it and everything like that. It, it, again, it's more about the progression for me, more about the, uh, development of myself and development strategy and logic and uh yeah it's honestly i i, I would i would be uh, i'd go every week if i could what what makes you want to go with these cards then as opposed to the pokemon because the pokemon ones come like i mean fucking logan paul's got a million dollar one round his neck on a chain hasn't yep. it the pokemon yep. so why why the Yu-Gi-Oh ones why not pokemon um basically uh you is a lot more complex it's often called a lawyer's game for children because <laughs> right, um, okay. they're honestly like the the rule the rules of them i mean when when you look at a card and it's about that big and it's got the entire bottom half of it is tiny little text that you can barely read about d dictating all of the effects and what you can and can't do with it it's, oh, it's so much fun and then trying to build a uh, balance that strategy against other people's cards, especially when there's over um, 12,000 uh, cards in the whole game. You have, you have to remember a lot and plan a lot. Is it Japanese, is it? Uh, originally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely had not come across that. I mean, obviously, I knew about Pokemon and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I would have thought anybody who'd be into those things would probably be going for the value in that. So if, if this is an actual harder game for people to do, this is yeah. the, the more grown-up version than a Pokemon, basically. So exactly. So yeah, I mean, Pokemon is um, from. I've never really played the the trading card game against other people, but it does seem a lot more basic. What's the so, most expensive card you can get? 
Um, I think one went for a couple of hundred grand last year. Oh, wow. So yeah. it is up there then. I mean, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah like, um, I think a lot of uh, even, even like the normal rarity stuff, uh, just like staples cards that a lot of people would use in a lot of different decks. I think I've got one of the I managed to get lucky and got one of them from a pack recently, and it's worth about 80 pounds. And you run that in every deck. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in your life at the minute then, Ryan, isn't there? I mean, we're building computers, we're gaming, we're producing music, you've yeah. got the cards. How do you get time for DJing? Because I know you're doing that as well, aren't you? Um, basically, I I don't DJ as often as I'd like. But um, yeah, it's just more a case of just planning everything around what I want to do. I mean, um, with DJing, it's depend if i have a set coming up i'll make sure i'm all prepared for that but i do try and like make sure that i space in in that preparation time with my family and time to do the other things as well because if you focus too much on one thing the rest of your life can suffer so i like to very much have that balance and keep busy yeah and you had a, you had a massive gig as well didn't you dj at the print works for ram that was yeah cool. that was that was incredible i I've had quite a, a, a few quite big gigs over the years, but that was the biggest one recently, and it was it was awesome. I mean, I was actually in Tenerife last September when I got an email asking if I wanted to play, um, and I snapped up the opportunity. It was so cool. I got to meet um, some musical heroes there. I was like sit, sitting in the green room chatting away to Mob Tactics, and Leveler was just insane great stuff take me through the day then obviously are you prepared for for playing there just anybody listening has obviously got big gigs like this to see if there's anything different they're doing you wake up in the morning you're ready have, have you planned and prepared everything before then or is it all on the day um i've normally well i definitely would have my usb sticks sorted out really quite in advance obviously adding it any extra tracks that i want to play that i either make or uh, get sent through and um yeah there was it's quite a nerve-wracking day we had to wake up at eight because driving all the way down to london then getting across london on the tube because it was um it's quite central in london especially when because we whenever we go down to london whenever i'm playing down there or something we park up at cockfosters and get the tube in it's the best way because trying to drive through london's a nightmare no, don't ever drive in london <laughs> I, I don't know why people do it i really don't you can get no, a train from here in the midlands it takes one hour and then you're just on the tube. So I can get to any club in London quicker than I can probably actually get into Birmingham Centre if I'm driving. Yeah. It's, well, uh, it's, just, phenomenal. it's the same with us. It's the same with us. It's two and a half hours. on. Well, it's about two hours on the train. That's about two hours to drive. But then you've got a factory and parking and tube and everything. But yeah, um, it's just I, I'd much rather make sure I have plenty of time, not rush myself and everything like that. It's just not worth the hassle. So you're not like me then. I'm usually forgetting my USB stick needs sorting and I'm doing it the night before and I'm up to like 6am the night before the gig actually sorting my stick. You've got it, you've got it done way in advance then, yeah? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I don't plan out my sets from start to finish. Like I'll normally have a few... I'll, I'll test out a lot of different mixes beforehand, like um, see which tracks go well together, see what I can do, sort of gauge a uh, general outline. But most of the time, I just, when I'm actually behind the decks, I forget my outline and I will just mix whatever I want and just remember the doubles that work well, remember the blends that work well and just go like that. I, I, I honestly find that 
when you fully prepared a DJ set, like from start to finish, it doesn't always go the way you want, especially if you've planned it, but the crowd aren't aren't really feeling it, and then you carry on with it and you start losing the crowd. It's just not worth it. I much rather play to the crowd and just just go with the flow of it. Yeah. I've debated this a lot because if if you look at a lot of the top acts in drum and bass, they have all fully planned out their set for the majority of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you can tell by the technicality of, you know, the drops they're doing. I mean, Andy C definitely isn't doing all those all of those double drops on the fly. He's he's practiced some of them. Do you know what I mean? That's how he's so good. So he's like, is is it is this a case for okay, if if you're gonna plan the whole thing out, you can probably if you're top talent because people are just gonna be there for your name. But when it comes to smaller talent like me or you, it's good better to kind of read the crowd. Because I've never ever planned a full set. And I know I have about four to five tunes I may start with. And then I'll have a folder of tunes that at some point I'm going to play. And then yeah. everything else is just kind of, okay, let's see how it's going to go from there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I find that like, making a playlist is very important because if you don't have a, full, uh, a playlist of tracks that are properly tagged, properly beat gridded and stuff like that, you can really quite struggle on the fly thinking. Uh, you get, um, uh, was it choice paralysis? But you've got, especially when you're DJing and suddenly you're thinking, oh, what track do I bring in next? And you've got a folder of a thousand and they're not sorted out or anything like that. You're like, oh, I don't know what to play next. Ah, panicking. But One of the big having a playlist. Yeah, the, the, when, you've got, when you've got a playlist of a couple of hundred tracks and stuff and you just go through practicing, going through all of them, just having a mix through your tracks beforehand and then just seeing what works well together, what doesn't work so well together, what kind of is a good energy switcher, that kind of thing. It, it very much helps so when you actually go and do the set you've got well, you've got that knowledge of what works well together oh i definitely want to play this oh maybe the crowd isn't feeling this track uh, like that that kind of track i'm going to play this track instead and then if you've got that preparation sorted you've got there's going to be a much better time behind the decks yeah I've, i i found that i suffered with that for quite a few years it was it was one of the main reasons was due to not having too many gigs so when that happens you've got a folder of music that's mounting up and it's mounting yeah. up and then you finally get a gig and you take too much music to the gig and what i found is when i was going out with less music my sets were better straight away They'd, even if i'd not practiced they were just a lot better and i could move yeah. and flow with the music just a little bit easier because like you said, it's it becomes a bit overwhelming, don't you, if you're taking out three, four hundred tracks on a USB. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I, well, I I like taking out a lot of new tracks because one thing I found, because I used to have a weekly show on Rough Tempo, and one thing I found was that if I wasn't updating my USB regularly, I'd just keep going back to the same old tracks time and time again. So I like to have a have a sort of clean out of the USB and then reevaluate playlists and stuff like that. I think that's very important. You've got to mix a set regular as well, can't you? So if, if you are having few and far between gigs and you're suffering with this, make sure you're doing an hour set at home, get a radio show somewhere, do a live stream, just to make sure you are playing that music and you you feel what you exactly. feel. It's a lot different, isn't it? Yeah, and especially if you do if you, if you record a good mix at home, it's really good promotion stuff. I, I used to like really... I don't have a, a proper setup at the moment. It's all in the garage, but um, I do have a, a, a small pair of decks that I used to practice here and there, but I find it very, very important to just keep your hand in because it's like, like any, any skill. If you don't keep it sharp, you'll lose it. 
do you like to put a lot of your own productions in your sets and what would you say the percentage is as opposed to other artists Ah, uh, it's tough to t- uh, tough to say really i do like putting a lot of my own music in but i feel like it has to fit the vibe obviously me i've got quite an eclectic sort of production style if i can't exactly mix in some like ambient techno into my sets but i i do like putting a lot of the harder stuff in um again it kind of really depends on the set and depends on what music i've made that i'm feeling recently but yeah i do turn, tend to put quite a few of my own tracks in like we said earlier your music does stand out it's it, it can't be classed in a subgenre, and there's few artists out there like that so when you're doing your sets and you're putting your tracks in there what other artists are kind of go to that generally fit with your tracks because they are very individual sign and there's nothing else like like it in drum and bass i feel at the moment with what you're doing um i like a lot of the more technical artists people like bunshin people like zetas um transformer kaiser and flow just that hitting that sort of line between creativity and heaviness really um i tend to just put in a lot of tracks that i'm feeling um regardless of the subgenre, because there's often going to be those sort of uh, intermediary or interstitial tracks that you can use to blend between the the various styles which is great but yeah i really like the real hard technical stuff like i say people like bunch of noisier all that kind yeah. of thing good choice again i think that's probably where you're going to find the best fit if any isn't it really with yeah. those definitely yeah have you hit up vision records or recording should i say with any music no no not yet um one day maybe but i'm just trying to sort of like build up a real good portfolio of individual stuff again at the moment before i start sending stuff out again but uh yeah i have like i've I've had a decent success rate with sending out music to labels but honestly i swear a lot of labels just like they'll have a demo inbox and just never listen to it yeah that's the problem you've got to get those direct links haven't you really that's that's yeah. one of the main things but i would have thought vision and, and maybe even critical would be a, a good home for some of your music as well sometimes yeah potentially it's definitely something that i'm thinking about um i just want to make sure that i have because whilst i have a quite an eclectic style i like to have a release all sounding not the same but in a in a similar sort of vein yeah and you mentioned some collaborations as well that you're doing i, I know uh i know you were working with kaizen flow i know you've done some stuff with transformer in fact he's he's got some bits coming out with you as well um yeah are these still on the cards and coming out and have you got any other collaborations in mind that you're wanting to try or that's on the time um, yeah i've got a few things running in the background it's um having the time recently to follow them up and stuff like that uh but yeah i've i've been talking with quite a lot of artists about doing tracks for them it's just whether or not um we get the time like um calyx and tb wanted me to go down to their studio at some point but yeah again it's it's a time thing i you make time for that ryan you make time for calyx and tb oh 100 100 (laughs) and i will but it's like the, the i i've um had a few issues with collabs in the past where it's been like i've finished my bit and i'm waiting months and it, it can be quite difficult with communication and stuff like that or if like the track is exactly how i feel it should be but then some changes are made that kind of take it away from that and then there's a bit of conflict of ideas but it's all good it's just part of the process um Do you the collaborating is it something oh, you, you definitely I, I, I very much do 
Uh, um, but yeah, especially when uh, when when uh, mental health is a bit struggling, it can be really quite different, uh, difficult to um, be able to collab because then you have the anxiety of letting other people down and things like that. I had the exact same conversation with the artist Lemmy Dubs a few months ago. Did an interview uh, with him. Uh, he actually suffers yeah. from autism, and um, he had not. I, I'd asked him about collaborations and how come he don't because every track he'd put out for like ten years was just him on his own. Yeah, and I asked him about that, and it was he said he was just scared to kind of let his work go to someone because the buildup of anxiety was just way too much. But this year, he actually did it. He actually let it go out and he's had a couple of collaborations and uh they've actually gone down really well i believe one of them was with clarky his first collaboration ever and now dead mouse is smashing it in every single set his first oh, awesome. lab so it does work but talking about obviously the mental health side of it and obviously with music um like i say i had a big conversation with him about that how big of a part do you feel music plays into mental health and helping you you know and supporting um, I think it very much helps a lot of the time. Sometimes it can do the opposite, um, especially with the social media side of things and the oversaturation side of it. Um, the constant sort of pressure, it can be really, really quite difficult. But I have always used music as a sort as an outlet um, for mental health. I think it's been absolutely invaluable for being able to basically get emotions off my chest into my music. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think when your mental health's bad and your music's not going so well, it can really sort of create this vicious cycle. Do you turn to it quite a lot if you if you are obviously having issues or, you know, just feeling down and things like that? Is it a good cure for you most of the time, do you think? Uh, listening to music is 100% a good cure for it. But I think sometimes, depending on the mindset, making music can make it worse. Mm. Uh, especially if, if, if you... One, one thing with my studio sessions is, like, if I catch a vibe like i say i'll have the whole track finished and get it sorted but if i don't catch a vibe and end up getting frustrated it can be really quite a challenging period what best advice could you give somebody to kind of avoid in those things do you think um take care of yourself uh make time for yourself try and learn learn as much as you can about yourself and work with yourself to better yourself basically i've, I've been to therapy and stuff like that and it's been incredibly helpful but yeah learning learning the best ways to manage yourself is often the best way like yeah as soon as you know what to avoid and what to or what what can help it really does it really is a game changer one of the things i found as well is little wins mini wins i call them so you, you've always if you're in like you said you're in music and you know that kind of build up to trying to be a success with things can obviously affect your mental health but along the way if you're planning little mini wins along the way something to be proud about okay well today i actually finished this and that was a mini win for me building those along the way that seems to be something i feel that helps quite a lot yeah yeah little wins are important it, any any win is really um even if it's just like oh i turned on my computer today and messed around with a few samples that's better than nothing if that's your plan that's your plan yeah. you know making your bed exactly. in the morning that's a mini win do you know what i mean it, it, it all helps it all helps exactly it's those small attainable goals like if you're setting yourself um big plans like i need to get i need to get myself an ep done by the end of the month you can end up becoming like when you're not getting it done it's just like you're failing yourself and it makes it even worse but once you've got like little little goals like today i'm going to do a bit of sound design and if something happens great if it doesn't also great it means i've still done it 
And uh, yeah, like you say, little wins are important. Yeah. And there's an overall bigger picture. Um, I mean, obviously, one of the big wins that you've had is is the signing to Ram. Um, that's one of the things you're most notorious for now, where your name is concerned. But was that an overlapping goal for you? Was Ram the pinnacle? Or is um, there anything beyond that? Well, it was one of the dreams. Uh, one of my first drum-based compilations was Andy C Nightlife 3, um, which I rinsed to the point the CD got scratched <laughs> because I was just playing it too much. And... Um, yeah, I mean, since then, Ram was always one of my dream goals, and getting tracks on there was was incredible. But I don't want that to necessarily be the pinnacle. There's so many other things I want to try and release. Uh, so many other labels I want to release on. So many other opportunities I want to get. And I think uh, learned a lot about myself over the last year. And whilst certain things have gone really well, other things outside of my control haven't gone so well. So it's been like re-evaluating um my goals and realizing that whilst i have achieved an absolutely incredible thing there is still more that i could achieve yeah you can always rest on being proud of that as well but setting those goals obviously is going to give you something to aim for what what other goals yeah. do you have is it all around releasing on labels do you have any goals dj wise or just any success in the music industry at all is there any other goals coming um, I really want to try and play a festival because I haven't actually played a festival yet. <laughs> that's that's one thing I'd love to do. I'd love to play in the States. Uh, I'd love to do more gigs abroad because I've had I've only had a couple so far and I really would like to try and do more. But um, yeah, I mean, I would love to, like I say, do more thematic composition for like film, TV films and media um, and games. But yeah, I think the main goal for me at the moment is rebuilding back to a regular schedule and regular production cycle yeah yeah for sure and uh with with obviously playing abroad where were the places that you played i've played in belgium um in liege i did a set over there which is really cool and uh, done a small gig in holland as well all oh, right okay excellent whereabouts in holland were you uh um i can't remember now it was quite a while ago uh i think it was like um yeah no it was actually in amsterdam yeah cheeky mondays was it no i no. wish that's the most popular one there isn't it on monday yeah. nights absolutely rammed in amsterdam who'd have thought so i've it? heard so <laughs> i've heard great event so apart from obviously that rams brought around as we said the the print works gigs um tell us a little bit about how the ram deal started um were you were you sending tracks in did they contact you for music out of the blue how did it start right up until you had that release give us the timeline well, basically, um, somewhat, I, w I can't remember who I was talking to. Um, I think it was Solar, actually. Um, basically said, like, oh, why don't you send some of your music into RAM? It's really quite good. And they gave me the email address for the label manager at the time. And I sent it in and they signed it. It was really, really easy, actually. Um, the whole process, not like with a lot of labels where I've been, like, constantly been sending music and constantly waiting for feedback of not hearing anything not hearing anything and then yeah ram just snapped it up it was really cool really that was my first dp on program they just uh, pretty much snapped that all up in one go no changes or anything like that it was like nope. go yeah there was, there was absolutely let's go it was amazing and what was the deal for for future releases was it just a case of okay let's let's get this music let's get this music out with you and, and go from there 
Yeah, exactly. So they just wanted to see what other music I'd send in. I sent in a load of music a bit later. They signed another EP and then they wanted me for main label. I released one single on the main well, label. Yeah, I released it on the um, Ram Annual last year, Mindfulness, and that did really well. And um, yeah, I was going to be doing an album, but uh, like I say, things outside of my control have st- uh, probably put a spanner in that works. And we'll see where we go from here. Do you think you could potentially put an album together and just maybe shop that out? Or are you just I, kind of just... I definitely, have, I definitely have an album, but album's worth of music. Um, I don't necessarily think that I would want to release that album at the moment. I definitely want to find a sustainable home um, first before I think about doing that again. Because I had a lot built up for it. And obviously when things didn't go quite as planned... I've had to reevaluate a fair few things with that. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's brought us around to the Dirtbox release. Here we are, finally. We've got the music. I've been bugging you and bugging you for, for about a year about, but we got there in the end. And lo and behold, you let me sign probably one of the biggest tracks you've had support with, and that's the yeah. Ingrate VIP. VIP, sorry. Ingrate. VIP. Yeah. So, yeah. Ingrate, tell tell us a little bit about this track and how it came about to be a VIP and then we'll talk about the support. Yeah, so the original track, I wanted to try something a bit different, sort of do a more switchy up style, which I've then used on a lot of other tracks. Um, I just want a big fog horn and a sort of like musical um, like refrain as well with it. And yeah, that was that was great fun to make. And the original was actually, there's actually a really cool video of it that sent Harry shot a speechless because I think it was TJ from Pick and Mix was playing on a Code Red live stream with Harry Shotter on the mic and yeah that sent him speechless it was great have you got a copy of the video uh somewhere I'd have to dig it out you need to but dig yeah. that out that's gonna be that's gonna be the whole part of my promo I think definitely if you can <laughs> find that video excellent but, stuff yeah so that was the original and that went on my dub pack and um I'd never actually done a VIP before really and I thought, uh, I might give it a go. And it came out far harder than I was expecting. Uh, yeah. Honestly, like, geez, that, that, that track is insane. And then, yeah, I started sending that out to a few people. Um, Calyx and TB absolutely loved it. They played it at multiple gigs now. They've been playing a few tracks, a fair few tracks of mine over the last couple of years as well. And, uh, yeah, Ed Rush loves it. But he let's, played that at the virus weekend at uh, the virus yeah. weekender. Let's not beat around the bush. Let's say exactly what's happened. So Calix and TB have played it in every fucking major set they've had. They played it main yeah. stage Boomtown. They played it on every gig on an eight leg tour of the USA, every other festival as well. So they have they have really been supporting this one as well, haven't they? It's been blowing yeah. up in their sets. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely and i think one of the coolest experiences i've ever had was when i was playing at Printworks. i went towards the main uh, like, um after my set i went towards the main room to go and see calyx and tb and i heard it and i just <laughs> ran sprinted towards the main room to get a video of it oh it's so cool and it was calyx and tb playing it at Printworks as well was it yeah yeah, yeah. that was that was mad that was mad just not long after I played it myself. <laughs> yeah, that's great to have some support like that. And I think, yeah. obviously, now the release is out as well, we'll probably hear it quite a lot more as well, isn't it? Because I know a lot yeah. of people have been waiting on this one. Uh, you always see ID, ID on the videos and things like that as well, all the yeah. comments. 
absolutely absolutely and it's um yeah seeing the feedback on the release has been really great as well well that's another big blow up for you there i mean if if somebody was to ask you some advice they want some advice what would be the best advice you could give them to actually get a track signed by a major label um make make sure that you haven't rushed it make sure that it is a track you're entirely happy with make sure that you get really good feedback from other producers as well like um constructive criticism is the biggest weapon in your arsenal if the if people are just saying yeah that's sick oh that's awesome oh that's a banger that's just as useless as saying oh that shit you haven't really given anyone any feedback if you're just saying like useless superlatives it's better to just say oh, oh i really like that but i feel like it could be that uh, the snare drum could be a little bit harder a little bit tighter i think the, the, the musical line needs a little bit of work and, and if you're getting that kind of feedback that is so important and listening to that feedback taking it on board humbly is again really important as well i mean like i used to be pretty naff with feedback and just thought that my music was amazing but it, it wasn't so when i started actually listening to feedback it's really helped me improve a lot and uh once you're getting tracks that are getting really good feedback and you're constantly building them up and you're getting it, other people are playing them out and getting really good videos then think about sending it to the major labels because then you really want to make sure that that the first contact with a major label is so important because you want to make sure that the first contact they see from you is your best at the time yeah yeah for sure and obviously the ingrate vip you, you mentioned you know getting feedback and things like that this one actually blew up i bet a lot of the crowd feedback as well is really good isn't it on those tracks <laughs> yeah yeah the crowd reaction is insane like um just hearing people go mad for it is is unreal and obviously the flip side or should we say track two we're not we're not doing vinyls anymore i still got that ingrated in me from the vinyl days i always said the, the b side or the flip side but it isn't really it's like a double a release this ingrate vip on Dirtbox. we've got unchained which we talked yeah. a little bit about earlier. What was the process in getting this together? Did you because you made this straight away just for this EP? It was a fresh track. Was yeah. it was it done in in a way to complement Ingrate, or you just went with the flow on this one to see what I thought? I just really went with the flow on it. To be honest, I, I just wanted to make a sort of industrial style rolling not quite neuro but harder than rollers and yeah i, I built I, I built the drum line first was really really happy with the drum line and then just started messing around with synthesis and yeah just made these really cool sort of metallic edged sounds using a comb filter again and uh yeah it was it ended up being quite a quite a dark track which i was really happy with yeah i've promoted it out already and and the feedback coming in is it's literally 50 50. i mean i thought possibly ingrate vip would kind of have the lion's share of everybody going mad but everybody seems to be torn between the two tracks on the promo which is great i feel yeah yeah i was i was i was um really happy with that it was really good to see like both tracks doing really well i mean both of them were single sessioners which is mm. mad but yeah it was it's just amazing seeing that feedback from something that's maybe a little bit outside what people would usually expect from me yeah uh, it's, it's great yeah well like i said everybody seems to be touching on it 
I'm loving that the EP's out on Dirtbox. I couldn't be happier with it, Ryan. Thank you for thank you for the oh, release. And uh, obviously, there's a lot more in store that people will just have to wait and hear with Dirtbox yeah. and Shaper as well. Before I let you go, though, I've got a few. I wouldn't say quick fire questions, but I really want you to kind of come up with the answers. That's the first thing that comes to mind. You know, sure. you don't have to go into great detail, but just a few little fun questions, basically, to see what your thoughts are on it. Okay, here we go. So first question, what albums, and you can pick two or three, can you listen to on repeat? Um, Linkin Park in the end. Uh, Disclosure, Settle. And uh, oh, Subfocus, his first album. Yeah, great choice, great choice. Okay, so... I've asked this question to a few of the people as well. And this one is based around being interesting. You know, doing these interviews, we have to get a story out of people. Because if I just go in and ask the same old questions and just get mundane answers, nobody's going to watch these interviews. So yeah. who do you think would be great and interesting for me to go and interview next on this show? Um, ooh, that's a tough one. I don't know, maybe Calix and TV. That'd be a cool one. That'd be a good shout. I would actually love to interview them as well. Maybe when you go down to the studio, you could put a good word in for me. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> what track in drum and bass do you wish that you made? Oh, in Acolyte. Great choice. Great choice. And name me one plan that you've got. Can be anything uh, that's going to happen in 2023 before New Year's Eve. Uh, I'm going to make the hardest track I've ever made. Great stuff. And make sure I hear that because you know yeah, I'm absolutely, like, Lily, absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant. Listen, Ryan, thank you very much for your time today. It's My been pleasure. great. Uh, probably longest we've, we've had a time to kind of chat together as well. So great yeah. to kind of know a little bit more about you as well. Um, loving this release. I'm so happy it's out on Dirtbox, as I said. It's absolutely phenomenal. In great VIP and unchanged out on Dirtbox recordings right now. You got any plugs or anyone to big up, Ryan, before I let you go? Uh, yeah, big up everyone in the group chat, big up my wife for being the most incredible support I've ever asked for, and uh, yeah, big up all the rest of my family. And good friends. lad, good lad. Thanks for your time, Ryan. You have a good afternoon, mate. Yeah, you too, mate. Cheers.